The Fourth Act by Basil MacDonald Hastings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fourth Act Dramatis Personae. Narrator read by April Walters. Sir Philip Alcorsi read by Thomas Peter. Mr. Robert Volpas, his secretary, read by Alan Mapstone. Miss Daphne Aloa, read by Devora Allen. The Voice from the Corner, read by Philip Gould. The Fourth Act. Scene. Sir Philip's study in Carlton House Terrace. The room is handsomely furnished and carpeted. In the right wall, slightly upstage, is a large window. The door is in the back wall, slightly to left. The whole of the left wall and right half of the back wall and the lower part of the right wall are covered by books. Down right is a small set of steps, such as is used for getting books from high shelves. In the center is a large writing desk with revolving chair. There's another chair to the left of desk. Below the desk is a comfortable couch. Close to the left end of couch is a small smoker's table. It is a bright summer morning and the sun streams in through window right. When the curtain rises, Sir Philippa Corsi is discovered looking out of the open window to the right. He is a good-looking, clean-shaven young man of about thirty-two, shouting through window, Keep your back straight and keep your right foot still, Alan. That's it. Plant it there and make a resolution not to move it. Keep your back straight. There are boyish cries from outside. Bravo! Middle stump! Hooray! Enter Mr. Robert Valpaz. Sir Philip's secretary. He is a gentleman of about the same age as Sir Philip. Familiarly. I say, Philip, there's a girl here, and I can't get rid of her. Oh, confound it. Just when I'm busy, coaching the boys in cricket. What shall I say? Coming from window. That means you want me to see her, eh, Robert? I should if I were you. She's got the smartest hat on I ever saw. Sternly. Private secretaries should have eyes for the head and not the hat. What does she want? Won't say. Won't go. Dared me to carry her out. I'd like to. Frowning. Robert, you're a perfect idiot with women. Well, I like that. No more than you are with Cricket. Get rid of her. He returns to the window. Robert shrugs his shoulders and goes out. Philip now shouts further advice to the boys outside. Mr. Robert Valpaz returns. Shall I send for the police? Oh, confound it. Robert, you're worse than useless. Is she a lady? Certainly, I should say. Then she'll go if I tell her to. Show her in. Exit Robert, smiling. Talking through window. Pitch him a bit shorter, Phil. It's better to be a trifle short than too well up. Here, put a shilling down and try to hit it. He throws a shilling out of the window. Now don't fight for it. Split it afterwards. Put that off stump straight, Alan. During this, Robert shows in Miss Daphne Aloa. Daphne is a pretty woman of about thirty. Her clothes are tailor-made and practical, but still very smart. A rakish little fur hat gives a touch of individuality to her appearance. 
Robert carries her attaché case. Good morning. To Robert. Put my luggage down. Robert puts the case on the desk and gazes admiringly into Daphne's eyes. Mr. Valpus. Exit Robert. Don't scold him. He's been such good company. Oh, has he? Will you be good enough to say what you want? I don't... I can't see people without appointments. Every moment of my time is occupied with... Boys' voices. Aren't, Aren't you, you coming, coming to, to play, play, Daddy? Daphne peeps round his shoulder at the open window. <clears throat> Take a chair. Daphne sits in chair left of desk. Do you mind if I make a note? N no, but I shall be glad if... Have you a pencil? Certainly. There it is. He gives her one. This chair is uncomfortable. May I sit down there on the couch, just by that dear little table? She sits on sofa. If you like. Daphne moves to left end of couch. She produces notebook from attaché case and places it on the little smoker's table. Then she makes a note. Certainly. Make yourself at home. Philip, bending over attaché case and noting its contents. I knew it. I knew it. You're an actress. That case contains the typescript of a play. I know a mile off. You're an actress, aren't you? Indeed, no. I'm an author. Despairingly. An author? Worse and worse. Yes, Sir Philip Accorsi. An author. Now you know why I am here. Gloomily. I can guess. For many months I have been working at a play. I want you to produce it. Groaning. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. But you produce so many. Everybody knows you are behind the Archbishop's Theatre, and they say you have a share Please, please, please. In the first place, what is your name? Daphne Aloa. Daphne Aloa. You've never written anything before in your life, have you? Daphne shakes her head. Of course not. Suddenly you read a fatuous paragraph in a paper that a play might be worth a hundred thousand pounds. So I did. Of course you did. You immediately get an idea. You tell a friend about it. A literary friend, perhaps. She is. She has had a poem accepted by royalty. I knew it. This friend encourages you, heaven forgive her. You write your play, and it's generally a frog of nonsense composed of what you remember of Charlie's aunt, the sign of the cross, the bell of New York, and the Drury Lane pantomime. You hawk it round the managers. I didn't hawk. I couldn't hawk. Well, you offer it anyway. No one will produce it. So you sob your heart out and try and get a job as a dramatic critic to get your own back. Meekly. And are all beginners the same? Well, you're something of an exception. You're the first author that ever got into this room without an introduction. Now, Miss Aloa, I can't produce your play. I can't. I won't. I can't. I... Oh, if only you knew how I'm pestered. But don't you like it? You're a multimillionaire, passionately devoted to the arts. Passionately devoted to fiddlesticks. I detest the theatre and all its works. You detest the theatre? Then how on earth does it happen? I support the theatre because I can't help myself. It's a family curse. A family curse? Yes. The first folio of Shakespeare was dedicated to one of my ancestors. Philip, left center by small table. 
Ever since then the family has been quite mad about the drama. I inherited millions, certainly, but a big share of it is tantamount to a trust fund which must be used for theatrical enterprises. Every decade, for instance, I'm practically committed to presenting Shakespeare in a new way. I'm an impresario against my will, I tell you. It must be very hard, certainly, to have to spend so much money on what you don't like. Now, if it were the musical profession, I'd enjoy it. I adore a good musical show, don't you? No humbugging art about it. It's real. It's actual. It's satisfying. Lockhart's elephants and Carnot's mumming birds and all that. Precisely. Not forgetting boiled beef and carrots. But surely there are some plays that are real and actual and satisfying. I'm sure mine is. Dear me, yes. I was forgetting about your play. What's it about? Myself. Oh, that's... that's... well, that's different. Everyone can write one play or one book. Oh, I've heard that so often. It's truer than you think. Well, my play is in four acts. She takes out script. But there are only three there. Exactly. The fourth remains to be written. Indeed. I'm going to write it here. My dear lady, I really must ask you... First, with your permission, I want to make a sketch map of the room. What is called a scene plot, I believe. But I tell you that my time... Boyish voices are heard calling from off right, Dad! 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 Going to window. I'll come out in a few minutes. He closes window. Going to window and looking out. Are those your boys? Yes. You're a widower, aren't you? Yes. Curious. You're a widower with two boys, and I'm a widow with two girls. Look. She produces a locket. There are my two girls. Diffidently. Very charming. Their names are Daphne and Ursula. The one on the right is Ursula. Quite so. And the one on the left is Daphne. Quite so. But we must get on with our work, mustn't we? Our work? Oh, yes. I know you'll help. Let me see. Window up right. She makes notes. Door in back hall, slightly left. Large writing desk, center, with revolving chair. Below desk, a comfortable couch. Room for... Sit beside me, will you? Just room for two. She rises, and he after her. Smoker's table to left of sofa. She returns to steps and sits on them. It is a bright summer morning. When the curtain rises, Sir Philip Accorsi is discovered. He is a good-looking... Thank you. ...clean-shaven... Philip feels his chin. ...bright-eyed young man of thirty... uh... thirty-three. Thirty-two. Thank you, thirty-two. Just a little opening talk with the secretary, and then I come on. Where were you standing? Oh, bother it. Does that matter? A little. Stand at your desk, will you? She guides him to a position above the writing table. Then I come on impetuously, like this. Suddenly I stop, and I'm frozen to the spot. What? On a morning like this? Besides, you weren't. No, but I ought to be. It's the way things happen in plays. I should be frozen to the spot, and then I should melt into your arms. Madam. Yes, but then I ought to have known you before. Watch how I would do it. I would come in, so. I would freeze to the spot, so. And then I would exclaim with a genuine air of astonishment, So it is you! 
Of course it's me. I mean, I. Ah, uh, but you ought to be something out of my past. You should be the man who robbed me of my fortune or something like that. You should have promised to marry me and deserted me for an heiress. I suppose you never did jilt me, did you? Certainly not. Daphne makes a note. No, I'm afraid I've never seen you before in my life. You have not. Daphne makes a note. And I'm busy. Wistfully. Ah, uh, don't say that again. I'm not really joking. Or rather, I'm joking to make the interview pleasant for you. If I were tragic, you wouldn't like me. And yet it is true that I and my little girls are very nearly at the end of our bread money. Ah, uh, don't curl your nice mouth. I like you severe, better than sympathetic. And you know you agreed to help me with the play. If you are telling me the truth about your financial position, don't bother any more about the play. Let me give you an introduction to... Still taking notes. You ought to move about more. On the stage, the characters have to keep making crosses. They don't sit still all through an interview. Do you mind walking away somewhere and coming back? Stamping petulantly up the window. This is really very ridiculous. Thank you so much. Petulantly stamping upright. She makes a note. What are you writing down there? Everything you say or do. Are you a newspaper woman, or a private detective, or a... Busily writing. Splendid. Splendid. That was almost dramatic. Why are you writing this down? Because this is the fourth act. Everything we say makes up the dialogue. Miss Aloha, I ask you again to go. He picks up her hat and hurts finger on pin. Damn. Quite right. You must. You must ask me again and again, or the fourth act won't be long enough. Ah, uh, don't get really angry. Don't you see that, like the nice, kind man you are, you are giving me everything I want? Thank goodness for that. My play is about a girl who wrote a play. About me. The first three acts tell the story of how I came to write that play and what happened when I took it to the managers. Every word of it is true. Then what's the trouble? Because the managers won't produce it. How can they without a happy ending? Can't you make a happy ending? No, but you can. I see. If I say that I will finance the play, you write that down and bring down the curtain on it. How quick you are. And the corollary is that I throw away some thousands of pounds. And the C-O-R-R... -R Writing. Please spell corollary. Forgetting himself. C-O-R... Oh, hang it. Spell it yourself. That's right. Be brusque and rough. Bully me, and then melt. Come up to me and smack the open palm of your left hand with your clenched right and say, There's a crash from off right. Whatever was that? One of my boys fall into a cucumber frame. He goes to window, and Daphne, after putting down her notebook on top of steps, follows him, looking out at the boys. Aren't they just lovely? Pleased. Like their father, don't you think? How old are they? Well, Philip's eight, yes, eight and two months. Alan's a few days short of seven. Eight and seven? Why, I should have said at least twelve and ten. Pleased. Would you? Rather. How lucky you are to have boys. My little girls are dears, but it's not quite the same thing, is it? Well, there's a difference. Softly. When, when did their mother die, Sir Philip? When Alan was born. Ah... Uh... She stands, watching at the window. Philip comes down to desk. 
Stand back to them, dear. She pulls open window. You'll get hit on the knuckles every time if you play forward to that sort of ball. Stand back and lift your bat high. Ah, that's better. Righto. <laughs> There's a burst of boyish laughter. Philip gazes at her in amazement. What do you know about cricket? As much as most men. She shuts window. I'd love to go down and play with them. May I? You want to go down there? But what about the fourth act? Yes, but I was beginning to despair of your helping me. Look here, I'll. I'll do what I can. Genuinely surprised and grateful. You. will? How splendid of you. Not at all. You're as irresistible as my secretary said you were. He's a bit of an ass, but he was right this time. Sit down. Shall I? Where? Here, on the sofa. She sits, and he sits beside her. Where there is just room for two. Tell me about the play. Is there any love interest in it? Yes, but not for the principal character. And the principal character is you? Mm-hmm. Designing widow, aren't you? Well, yes, but in the nicest possible sense. Oh, yes, of course. Do you think that the play has a dog's chance without some love interest for the heroine? It would be better, I admit. But you see, every line of the play is true. And I can't invent a lover for myself. Supposing I were to invent one for you. Yes, I admit I'm getting interested. You seem a clinking good sort. Can you bowl? Yes, quite a decent leg break. Almost fervently. A decent leg break? Yes, I'm sure of it. Well, it would be quite easy to make love to you for the purposes of your play. I'd hate you to put yourself out. Not at all. I'm really disengaged till twelve. You'll want the notebook. Yes. She rises. But still, if you don't feel like it, it won't be much use to me. I can be desperately in earnest for the time being. You aren't the only pretty widow in the world. Picking notebook from desk. No, I dare say you're in practice. Begin. Sit here. He indicates couch. Meekly. I will. Rising and clearing his throat. <clears throat> now we'll begin. Do you... Do you... Don't look at me. No? You should realize what is coming and look away. Make patterns on the carpet with your toe. Slightly raising her skirt and scraping the floor with the tip of a pretty shoe. Like that? Yes. He comes closer. Just like that. You're writing something on the carpet. What is it? Yours truly. Daphne Aloa. You're the most adorable woman I've seen in my life. Writing in her book. You're the most adorable woman I've seen in my life. Do you really think so, Philip? Yes, dear. Making note. Yes, dear. That's good. Dear. Don't you think? I feel so at home with your eyes. Some widow's eyes make you feel as if you're out for the night. Some widow's eyes make you feel as if you're out for the night. Writing. It's a risky line. Do you think I ought to put it in? Oh, yes. The censor will cut it out. And then you wear your clothes so cozily. You make a sort of chrysalis of them. Making a note. You dear. No necessity to write your dialogue. I shall remember every word of it. You're so cousinly and all that. Whatever that may be. Making a note. 
You're the sort of girl who comes on Sunday afternoon and stays forever. Hmm. A sort of spare room girl. A sort of mistletoe girl. A sort of taxicab girl. A sort of sit-out-the-next-foxtrot girl. Next foxtrot girl. Philip, you've got me set. Now you ought to propose. Already? Unless you think it would come as a shock to me. Very well. One minute. What is it? I must turn away and make patterns with my toe. She lifts her skirt and writes on the carpet again. What do you write this time? Yours truly, Daphne Accorsi. Miss Lower. Daphne. Daphne writes. I'm sick of not being engaged, aren't you? Oh dear, this is realism. What would you have me say? Well, I thought you'd begin like this. Intoxicated by your maddening beauty and thrilled by the evidences of your sublime intellect. I hate intellect. I offer you my heart, my name, and my fortune. As for your play, I will arrange for its simultaneous production in five capitals, and... And will you stop to lunch? That's your idea of a happy ending? Yes. And after all, I'm the author. Well, put it that way if you like. What is your answer? My answer is yes. Now you kiss me. He hesitates a little. Only a stage kiss. What sort's that? You all but do it, but you don't. Philip puts knee on sofa and leans over her. How's this? He bends over and kisses her. Thank you. She writes. He kisses her. And now again. He kisses her. Thank you. She writes. He kisses her again. It doesn't seem right somehow. Doesn't it? Seemed all right to me. No. Stage directions always say, he snatches her to him. Can you snatch? No, but I can try. Well, I'll show you how it's done, and then you can snatch me. She throws her arms around him and kisses him. Like that? I don't think much of that. You bumped my nose. I can snatch better than that. How's this? He makes a grab at her and presses her to him. You are very quick to learn. Oh, it's just a knack. Just a knack. I hope that's all it is. Swinging himself about. I like this act. I knew you would. Let's go on with it. But a kiss is an ending. Nonsense. It's a beginning. I think you might say something more. I'll whisper it. He whispers in her ear. <laughs> I must write that down. What? It can come after the curtain's fallen, if you like. But when the curtain falls, that is the end of the play. Yes, indeed. And now that the act is finished... She draws a line in her notebook. We must not pretend anymore. Oh, Lord, yes. I was pretending, wasn't I? Well, I'm quite willing to be serious after the curtain has fallen. To be serious? I mean, to be sincere. He places his hand on Daphne's. Philip. She catches her breath as his meaning dawns upon her. Let's pretend the curtain's down now. Better than that. We'll have it down. He comes to prompt corner. Do you mind letting down the curtain, please? Certainly, sir. Philip takes Daphne's left hand in his right, and they wait while the curtain falls. When the curtain rises, they are seen in close embrace. When they realize the curtain is up, they break the embrace and pretend to be concerned about other things. End of the Fourth Act by Basil MacDonald Hastings